Hello, everyone. I'm George. And I'm Kelsey. And you're listening to the Box Offices Podcast. We are so excited to finally release our first episode. But before we get started, let us tell you how this works. Watching a bad movie is like witnessing a serious crime. But have no fear, the box offices are here. Each episode, Kelsey and I will review a new movie. And at the end of each episode, we will classify the film according to the severity of punishment. Films can be convicted of a felony, a misdemeanor, an infraction, or on the rare occasion, found innocent. This week, we are going to be reviewing the film Babylon. So if you have not watched the movie yet, pause this episode now and go watch it because you're about to hear a lot of spoilers. Now let's get into the episode. Babylon was released in the U.S. on December 23, 2022 by Paramount. Set in Los Angeles during the Roaring Twenties, we find Manuel Torres. He goes by Manny, and he's played by Diego Calva. Manny is a Mexican immigrant and aspiring filmmaker. The film starts off pretty hot with Manny transporting an elephant to this insane party. And I I feel like insane is like an understatement because it was bad, like. It was I mean, quite vulgar. Definitely deserved the R rating. I mean, a hundred percent. It broke the R rating. It, Do it not just... take your kids. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I I even was like, I don't know. Maybe I'm just like old and conservative, but like, I mean, <laughs> we have Coke, we have orgies, we have everything that you can think of that probably like could not have been in a movie 50 years ago it's there i mean it looks cool though definitely <laughs> showcases a different perspective of what people consider a party i mean it was just a whole bunch of different faces crazy people doing crazy things just things that you would see in a fever dream for sure that's the perfect word so we're in this fever dream we're at this party and Manny meets Nellie Leroy, who is played by Margot Robbie. She's wild, she's hot, she's ambitious, and she wants to be a star. So Manny is instantly spinned by her, and they talk about their aspirations while doing coke and a million other crazy things are going on. Also at this party, we have the lady Faye She's played by Anna Mae Wong, and she goes, this is really hot and steamy number as well. We meet the jazz player, my personal favorite, Sydney Palmer, played by Giovanna Depo. Somehow, in all of this chaos, Nellie's discovered and chosen to play a part in a film, which was one of the hopes and dreams that Nellie and Manny talked about together. Meanwhile, Manny meets actor Jack Conrad, who is played by Brad Pitt, the illustrious Brad Pitt. All right, Kelsey? I love Brad Pitt. Sorry. I just, I don't know what it is about him. I'll watch anything with Brad Pitt in it. He's that guy. Yeah. In this scene, he's drunk, but it's okay because Manny helps him out and makes sure he gets home all right. And in return, Jack hooks Manny up with an assistant job at Kinescope Studios, which was crazy because that same night, they both got basically hired for a job that they were dreaming of. Yeah, I honestly, you know, everybody's dreams were coming true that night because that was also kind of when they 
introduce Sydney. You have like Nellie who literally is on top of this table and someone points at her and is like, yeah, she'll do. Put her in the biggest movie that we're going to make today. Like, I mean, everybody's dreams are coming true. And this is kind of like when the movie really starts. I feel like everything before that was like introducing the characters. And it's important to point out how differently they each got their job. For example, Sydney was kind of overlooked. Like, I didn't even think they were going to be important at all. And he's an African-American male. Manny, on the other hand, he just kind of gets the job. Not really. We don't know what it's going to turn out to. And we also see Nelly get handed the job due to circumstance and doing just to her feeling apart. And I think that just speaks to a louder. For sure. There's, there's some social commentary to be right. <laughs> to social. be noted there. Mm-hmm. So speaking of Nellie, so she soon becomes an it girl. But as we enter into the late 1920s and sound film becomes more popular, her reputation quickly begins to plummet and she indulges in even more drugs and gambling and other reckless behavior. There's this whole thing where Nellie shows up to a party with a football team and somehow ends up fighting a rattlesnake. Actually, she wanted her dad to fight the rattlesnake, which is is crazy because I didn't understand that. Did she want her dad to die? Did she want to show people he's really a liar? I think that was it. I think she wanted to show that he's kind of like a fraud because, you know, her mom is in like an institution at this point. So her mom's not around. She has her dad who's like kind of made himself her manager. And I think maybe there's some like resentment there because he's kind of walking around like oh look at me what I can do and she's like okay then fight the snake which I think is kind of like a leap I feel like she could have pulled him for a conversation but <laughs> <True>. <laughs> I mean I just but feel like her whole character was so chaotic it. yeah she was on a roast about it she wasn't she kind of felt I felt the anxiety yeah I I mean that scene was pretty cool though I just almost like Okay, so funny, because I I find myself not able to laugh out loud when I go to watch things, but I will say, I literally laughed out loud, George. Like, I literally laughed during that rattlesnake scene after it bit her, and she's, like, running around. Oh, okay. And everybody's like, reaction, I laughed. And I was, like, awake. Because I definitely, like, at a certain point, I was just disillusioned by it all and also a bit bored but when she was like running around with it like yeah it I chuckled it was a lol on it moment for sure for sure yeah I I I'm here for the comedic relief we needed it meanwhile on the other side of town Sydney is shooting a film and Sydney again is the uh musician in this film and he is pressured by Manny to use makeup to do blackface after the shoot is over, Sydney cuts sides with Kinoscope entirely. As he should. Right. Okay. I thought it was super crazy. And I also like how Manny, while he gets this job, because at this point he's a huge executive, he brands himself as being from Madrid, Spain, which was kind of quick. I he, peeped that. Yeah. yeah. But to Sydney, he says gracias. Yeah. To show, like, it was... He he's he's coming. He's bringing himself down, not down, but he's trying to say I understand. But it's just yeah, what I have to do in this point of time, and I really love that. Like, just quick, and he's like, if you know, you know, type vibes. And I think it was also really 
important that you have two of the only like minority characters in the film having this moment but it's also it goes to say something that like he even had the audacity to ask something like that I feel like Manny it starts to show like his evolution as like a character going from like this very humble like bright eyes like hardworking, super sweet guy to someone who's kind of being I don't know losing part of himself to the Hollywood-esque of it all because I don't feel like him in the early 20s would have even thought to ask something like that and he knew he was wrong you could see it in his eyes he knew he was wrong but I don't know Okay, it's two sides of the corn. I get what you're saying. But at the same time, I always felt like he was a get-it-done type person. Like, do what I have to do. And I think he would be remiss for this to be the reason why, like, someone to get in his way. And I sure. he doesn't understand what Sydney is feeling, but he was just saying, like, get over it. We got to do what we got to do. Yeah. But I think it's true to his character, too. It just goes to show, like, maybe a larger conversation between, like, people of color and how like even within that you have racism you know but basically he was like yeah sorry I know we're supposed to be supporting each other but I don't care if I'm disrespecting you as a black man we gonna get this done and then Manny also not per so then is crazy so Manny also has to fire Faye so that's what I'm saying he's kind of going for all the minorities I I didn't I didn't vibe with him at this point in time because he has to fire Faye who is at this point one of the title writers for the studio and he fires her because there's news of her possibly being a lesbian and that wasn't being well received by the media or high society and then we have Nellie who is also not well received for you know this alleged relationship with Faye and she makes an attempt to rebrand but she fails horribly at this party that actually made me mad I think that that scene with her literally going hysterical at the little donor party literally made me so angry because I'm like you're ungrateful you're childish ungrateful literally everything like okay go be broken like I'm done I personally (laughs) be done respectfully because it's like why? Like, you did yeah. not have to do that. Like, you did not have to do that. At you could have just left. You could have just left. Like, you, you just also... The drugs. Could it... Can we blame it on the drugs? No, we can't, because she knew what she was doing. She she was about to throw up, and she walked back in to throw up. Yeah, that was a bit much for me. She knew exactly what she was doing, and it's really crazy that he's still on her side after that. No, yeah, I'm like, I'm sorry, but love is not enough. That girl is crazy. And I feel like she goes out of her way to create trouble for this man who is going out of his way to bring you into a world that doesn't like you. And they told you that. On the other hand, Jack's popularity also dwindles. And he's grieving the death of his longtime friend. He doesn't have a lot going for him right now and goes to confront gossip columnist Eleanor St. John, played by Jean Smart asking her why she wrote about his decline in popularity. She very bluntly explains that his time has passed, but offers some encouragement and comfort in the fact that he will live on through film forever, which I love that. That was my favorite scene, because first of all, I went in, I said, I'm here for Margot Robbie, let that be known. But 
that scene was my favorite scene in the entire movie because there's so many little things. First of all, that little monologue that was given by Gene Smart, I was like, perfect. But even Brad Pitt really gave for me. After she gave him his little talk and humbled him, so he walks out the room and without even like fully looking back, just kind of says like, thank you for that. Like very low, very like casually. And it was just the most human thing. Like it just seemed like I forgot I was watching a movie. I was like, this is a conversation that I'm almost a part of. And I just, I don't know. That was the peak for me. And I feel like it also speaks to his character as a person where he's he's willing to receive criticism. And I really wanted that movie to work for him. So, Same. It kinda, you know. I thought it was. It didn't work for him. And, yeah, like. I, I really thought it was. But, no, I was going to say his character, you know, there's really nothing wrong with. I, I mean, maybe there is. Maybe I'm missing something. But I didn't have an issue with Brad Pitt's character. I thought, you know. I just feel like it was we could a little cut bit down certain. on the drinking. I feel like the drinking is realistic, but I yeah. feel like I like the character for sure. But I also feel like it was a bit surface level. Like okay, yeah. I mean, all of them though. I feel like yeah, they could have went deeper. They could have went deeper to their motivations, other than like, oh, I want to be a movie star. No, literally, they said Margot Robbie wants to be famous and her mom is in a hospital, so she's going to be absolutely crazy. And that just didn't add up to me. I just feel like if you're going to have her act this insane, give me more. Like, I want context. Isn't the human experience so simplistic like that? It's like, I want money. I mean, isn't everything else? But I feel like they could have did more in three hours. I was going to say, because if it's going to be three hours long, like, I want to see her childhood trauma. Like, let me, like, all of this happened. I mean, I guess it spanned over, what, like a decade. But still, I was like, no, sorry. I'm, I don't know. They could have given me a 90-minute film and done the same thing, I think. Or cut out some of these characters. I feel like it was the same problem. So everybody wants to be famous and they become famous. And then it watches how the times changes and they lose their popularity. It only takes one person to show that example. Why do we have six main characters going through the same plight? Literally. I get it. I get it. The only thing that was different was when our girl Nellie was in trouble. Still in trouble from all that gambling and stuff. She got herself in a hole. And she found herself owing money to Tobey Maguire's character, James McKay. A massive gambling debt. And he is coming for that girl. She goes to Manny for help, of course. Because Manny is so nice. And gives in because he's basically still in love with her. But Manny goes to Rory Scoville's character, known as The Count, to get some money. And by the way, The Count works on set. And... For a second, it seems like everything's going to be okay. They get the money. They figure everything out. He's going to pay him off, obviously. They go to give the money to McKay. And at the and at which point, Manny realized the money is prop. <laughs> from the prop guy. As in the money is fake. Girl, I did not see that coming. I did not all. see that coming. And that literally was probably the funniest scene. Like, his realization was so realistic. Yeah. Like, the anxiety that he felt. I was just like, what would you even do? But anyway, once he realizes the money is prop money and fake, he doesn't say anything, hoping that McKay won't notice. Also, McKay is totally crazy and rambling about movie ideas and takes Manny and Count down to this weird 
underground party part two i was gonna say it again <laughs> again but weird is again an understatement because i'm saying like i was scared now i'm easily scared that's my disclaimer um i don't like anything scary i didn't know what was gonna happen next like what what's room like this was definitely like i didn't know what was gonna happen like i literally didn't know what i was in for like I was the writers like- were really having a field day because I was like, okay, I we get to a room, you know, we're over, we're over. And then, no, it's another room and another room. And I'm just like, every room, I did not see it coming. What was that room with all these people chained up to the wall? I didn't like that. I did not like that. It's and I scary. Like it's funny because are some of these rooms performative? Because, like, why would you just be chained up to a wall unless you're expecting somebody to walk by? Like, Wait, what? <laughs> I I took it as like these are like slaves. Like no, it's like they're they're literally waiting for somebody to walk by. Like I don't know. Minor is it giving like, haunted house for you? Like right, exactly, like haunted house. Like but I don't know. Are they actors? Like is this a party? Like no, I, I did but, not think this was fun. It, I don't think anybody <laughs> was there for fun. I also Toby McGuire eight did not even recognize that man. He, first saw his face i was like okay spider-man now this is this is a marvel story which is a commentary that you know a lot of people have when you have these big actors and these big franchises and they go to yeah. the movies can't unsee it but i started to unsee it oh i unsaw it spider-man was not on that screen for me i said this man is scared when he started putting that white paint on his face i said yeah. oh i gotta go but yeah. anyway so we fast forward and manny he he goes to this you know, party. So while we're at the party, McKay realizes that the money is fake. And he is like, yeah, y'all finna die. So Manny kills his little henchman and runs. And they let loose this, like, alligator. It's a whole thing. Manny goes to tell Nellie that they have to leave because they're going to be hunted and killed. And she eventually agrees to leave with him. And at some point, they agree to run off to Mexico where they're going to get married. That escalated too quick for me. Yeah, I didn't think that made like, sense. Yeah, it was just like what we wanted to happen. But I feel like given the the context of the film, it's like they were never technically in a romantic relationship. At all. D- did I miss something? Because they never even had like, th- I would say the most like intimate thing. They were dancing at the beginning, you know. It was, like, very saucy, but, like, that was it. I was like, what do you mean married? And it was never going to work. Or maybe that was the whole point, that it was never going to work, but I don't know. Well, I will say this, though. So, in that scene, another beautiful cinematography moment where it switched to black and white, and they're kissing, and the people are dancing in front and behind them, and it was just so beautiful to look at. I didn't like that it was them doing it but I did like to look at it visually I was enjoying myself yeah but La La Land moment oh period I actually think wasn't it the same cinematographer I wasn't that amused but apparently this movie is supposed to be like the anti-version of La La Land whereas La La Land shows all the good stuff this shows all the bad stuff and it's like disillusioned version of it for the audience but okay anyway McKay's henchmen track them down and kill the Count and his roommate but graciously spared Manny's life. By the time he returns to Nellie, she's gone so he leaves alone. Which I also kind of understand that. was like That was like a 
a Pulp Fiction type scene, I thought. Yeah. And I was like, why would you not kill him? Like, why would you kill the two innocent people but leave him? Like, it just never made sense to me. I don't know. Maybe because he saw this man begging for his life and just cried. The other two didn't get time to beg. I feel like, he was, like he's begging. begging not gonna let them go i feel like a lot of people he killed begged and he did not let them go like very that would true maybe he saw that man had a dream but what i didn't like well actually this was very on brand exit for nelly i felt like it was big and grand but also quiet and like all about her and like i don't know it was definitely giving that she was on drugs but i i thought literally it was i was beautiful so shot I mean, it was, it was cute, but shot. I was like, is she dead? Did she get snatched? Like, it was just like, okay, that's done. Yeah, yeah I was what? like, where'd she go? Wouldn't it have been hilarious if, if after they had that beautiful thing, she's walking down this dark alley, like, 30 seconds later, she just runs up and is, like, back? Because I obviously took her exit to be her final time on screen, and it was, but wouldn't it have just been, like, hilarious if she just came back? I kept thinking that. And she's I'm, like, oh, yeah, no. Let's waste this beautiful moment. No. I don't know. I was but, really so amused by that. I was just like, ah, okay. Nice it was to beautiful. But, yeah, so we have this happening. But at the same time, Jack sees Faye at a party, another party, of course, where she tells him she's going to work in Europe. And at this point, Jack has only declined since we last saw him. And he says something, like, really sad about himself and his career. And Faye's basically like, oh, okay, love, like, I gotta go. So Jack calmly gets up, he goes to his hotel room, and he shoots himself. It was artful, but, like, also, what? Like, I mean, I knew it was gonna happen, but I didn't... I don't know if I expected it at that moment. But it was super sad, because that shot of him, like sitting in that chair and you just see him from behind just sitting alone like come on I'm like sad yeah and he didn't but... seem that sad to me which was like like he still seemed like to put a smile on his face and I love how wholesome it was when he was trying to tip the guy again oh yeah it was just like wow but I think that's just very realistic to show that you know it could be yeah. anyone yeah and shortly after this montage where we see that he commit suicide we find out that nelly was also found dead in a hotel room at the age of 34 and that eleanor the gossip writer also passed away at 76 we fast forward two decades and the year is 1952 and manny seems happy he has a wife and a daughter a successful radio retail business back home which is now in new york city which i thought i would have left the country but that's just me anyway he shows his family where he used to work and eventually goes to the theater by himself to see Singing in the Rain. And he's in tears as he reminisces about Nellie and his time in California years ago. As he reflects, we see a montage of numerous films ranging from silent pictures all the way up to contemporary 21st century cinema. Soon, Manny realizes his efforts back in the Roaring Twenties did have an impact on film and that he had achieved his wildest hopes and dreams. And he smiles. And it's the end. And it was, you know, a girl, okay, not to be a hater, but I, like, during that last kind of, like, montage, the screen was flashing, like, colors, right? Like, red and green, and bl- like, solid red screen, yeah. solid screen. Yeah, I did not know that was artful. Like, I... <laughs> 
I thought that with colors and paint. No, I thought that my theater had a bad projector, uh, and I was gonna go and be like, "Hey, you guys, that one was broken, by the way." But then it kept doing it, and I said, "Maybe they did it on purpose." Because it's like it's like the intertextuality of it all. It's like we're literally in a movie theater watching this movie about movies and the color yeah. to make it. And I love how they showed like the whole Avatar thing because the Avatar is obviously huge. Yeah. And like how Manny kind of saw all this. But at the end of the day, I was just like, all right, you know. Not you saying all right. I thought that was a cute moment. Kind of like cheesy, but. Right. I just feel like he really gave up his whole career job for this girl. Like, all he had to do was not be in her gambling business, but he was yeah. a high executive. He got everything he's wanted. He literally just picked it up and left. I hate seeing people throw away their lives for exactly what they think is love. Because I was like, you guys, have you ever actually, like, talked about feelings? No. Not until you asked her to marry you. I don't know. Maybe that's how things were back then, but I don't know. I didn't like that, but I did like the end. I thought adding that montage of film over the past century really ties in one of the themes of the movie. It's true, like, what Eleanor was saying in her thing, like, you do live on forever through film. Like, you're not popular today, but there's going to be someone out there watching you, like, 50 years from now, and you're going to be doing things that live forever through film and I feel like that just like was perfectly summed up in that montage I loved it it was great but was the movie great that is the question uh I definitely wouldn't watch it again uh, under any circumstances (laughs) like (laughs) I'll pay you like a hundred bucks no please I'm gonna say this is not at any fault of Margot Robbie, <laughs> but Margot Robbie cannot save even this. Um, I will say that my favorite person, a part of this, if this is correct, Linus Sandgren or Sandgreen, sorry, um, he was the cinematographer. I would say he carried, um, but other than that, like. I feel like I've seen this movie before. Sorry. Seems like Yeah, I just really didn't gain any new perspective or anything. Yeah. Um I was just a bit bored overall. I mean, there yeah. were definitely a couple parts where I'm like, ooh, like for example, that whole underground party scene, it, it piqued my interest. But I was never like, oh my God, either happy or either so sad. There were no extreme emotions. It was just like Okay, nice to know, you know? In this movie, film industry, I feel like that film was a long shot giving, like, what is it, like, who asked for this? (laughs) (laughs) And I just, I don't know. I I love, like, I mean, you can't just stack a cast and that be everything. We already tried that with Brad Pitt and Bullet Train, where they took Brad Pitt and a bunch of people and thought that it was going to be everything, and it didn't work. So then they did Brad Pitt and a bunch of more people and gave us Babylon and it didn't work again. So I love Brad Pitt, but we can't just keep putting him in these like super deep casts 
and these three-hour movies and thinking that it's going to work. We need more. Right. Um, I definitely needed more from this. But, I mean, at the end of the day, I feel like even though it's long, three hour and ten minutes, I feel like it was a skeleton plot to some extent. 100%. It was just, like, a lot of fluff and not that much... I feel like things to fill up that three hours because like it's not I, I watch a four or five hour movie I mean Lord of the Rings extended version to me all the way but I don't know this wasn't given that like it was just simply like I, I wanted to leave at some point <laughs> like no no tell me why I took my sister with me to watch it right and like halfway through the film I get a text from the family group chat and it's her saying mom can you come pick me up so serious like that is so realistic and that is just no hate to the creators and everyone involved in this film but it's just i mean for our age range it's just not like what I'm we're not looking even gonna for. say that i don't think anyone i mean not that rotten tomatoes is like the end-all be-all but we saw at 55 percent is like you know i just feel like we aren't the only ones who did not enjoy it I just feel like it was painfully average even though I really liked the theme I really liked you know it was giving classic Hollywood you have you know the the drugs and the the gangs and the the nudity and the cocaine and the fabulousness and the over exaggerated everything like I I liked it but it was just so at the end of the day average Right. And so I just thought it was okay. It was just a movie. I just watched it, and I was like, okay, I watched it, but did I gain anything? Yeah, no. like, take away. We took away that Hollywood is toxic. We knew that from the get-go. I already knew that, yeah. Yeah, like, for okay. sure. Okay. What's your, what's your decision on this, Kelsey? Personally, um, I'm going to say... If it were up to me and it is, I would say they would need to be charged with an infraction. Um, I thought the movie was just okay. I've seen worse, um, but it was just okay. I don't think they did anything wrong. And I personally thought, honestly, I feel like everyone gave the best performance they possibly could with the story they were given. And so I have to give grace for that because I feel like, you know, the acting was, I thought it was well done. It was great. And it was beautiful. There were some beautiful cinematography moments. And I mean, it was so artistic that you just have to appreciate it. Unfortunately, where it lacks is in the story itself, which is why I'm like, I'm not going to say they're innocent, but it's, it wasn't, it wasn't terrible for me. I'm going to say... I'm going to go with infraction. Cool. I mean, I have similar views as well. However, I feel like the acting was definitely, like, definitely, like, great. Great acting. No complaints there. Nothing to add. It was fantastic. I love it. Um, But I'm going to go with the misdemeanor. They did a lot of things. Everything was just average. They could have did a lot of things better. And they kind of did a lot of things, like, not good and for that I think it's a misdemeanor because if you give it a minor infraction that's one thing away from being innocent and it's definitely not I don't know I just feel like if the story had been maybe more cohesive then I would have said it was innocent but even then like 
it was never going to be great. I still pulled them over. <laughs> if it was, <laughs> I like, we're the fact that we're even in court says enough. But yeah, no, I get you. I just like, I don't know. The, the infractions are too many and too large. I mean, I mean, that's so true. We're giving each aspect of this movie an infraction that has to add up. I don't know how exactly see. the law works, but I feel like you could only get so many, right? <laughs> so many and like certain things, like important scenes were just like not eating. They were just not giving what it was supposed to have gave. Not at all. And you know what? Brad, Margo, if you're listening to this, I genuinely love you. It is not their fault. I don't blame the actors at all for this one. This was the story that lacked for me. I think this overall was better in a book. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I definitely need to see this because it just, I didn't need to see it. I think it definitely played out. Um, I didn't gain any new perspectives and for it to be three hours, like, I cannot get over that. Like, it was just too much. And I just, I definitely didn't enjoy it. I was just okay, you know? Like I said, at some point, I wanted to leave, but I was just like, bro, I already paid. So. No. <laughs> like I said, I would watch it once. I would do anything once, but this would not be something that I would re- recommend. Unless you're the super niche into Hollywood, maybe. Or. Yeah, I like that. I like that description. I think it can be more of a niche thing for, like, the film lovers, you know? I think maybe I was being generous because I love an ensemble cast. But, you know, if you had replaced those actors with people I didn't already love, I probably would have went ahead and said, it's getting misdemeanor. And I think that tells us a lot about the storytelling of this film. Like, are we really just looking at these, you know, actors that we love and adore? And even a new one, for example, the person who played Manny. I mean, I've never seen him before, but I really love how he played Manny. Oh, he did amazing. Yeah. He did great. I mean, that was one of my favorite parts, just seeing him interact in his universe. But if we take all those things away, it's just like, no, I'm not. That's a felony, really. Okay. I think we've made our decision. Right. Okay. Babylon, you have been charged with a misdemeanor. Love that for them. It's what they deserve. It's not our fault. It's not our fault, but... Yeah. I'm so happy that we finally got to do this. I'm happy as well, Kelsey. Well, that is the end of our episode. But we will be back again with another case and another conviction. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Love that, Chris.